This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. A couple of weeks ago, we studied the American myth, and it's been a long time ago now, but the American myth that God's greatest priority is to make sure that we're happy. You know, we've come to believe that. We've come to believe that if we make a reasonable effort to serve God, then God will just kind of follow us around and make sure that you know, bad things won't happen to us and that good things will happen to us. And and we brought that into our theology as Americans, but that theology is not true. That's theology that you don't find in the Bible. Well, today, even though I didn't necessarily set out to make this a series, I think that while we're at it, I'd like to try to debunk another myth that our American version of Christianity has latched onto. And I've heard quite a few church people, including some of you, of which I won't mention your names, but I've heard plenty of church people that promote a myth that brings about another false concept of God, and that is the myth that God won't put more on you than what you can handle. And this is generally said when someone is going through a difficult time, maybe they're they're already struggling financially and the transmission goes out of their car and it's like, I don't know how much more of this I can take, but God promises he won't put more on me than what I can handle. Or, or maybe uh, they get a bad report from the doctor or they lose their job and, and uh, along comes a well-meaning Christian and they will invariably give you one of two pieces of annoying advice. The first annoying piece of advice is, oh, oh, don't worry. When God closes a door, he always opens a window. Now, could I just ask you, what does that mean? I, I mean, if you're on the 12th floor of a building, that doesn't sound like very good news to me. And, and, and next time someone says that to you, why don't you, if you want to see them stutter, just ask them, what do you really mean by that? But But the second statement that, well-meaning people often say when you're going through overwhelming problems is this. Hey, it's going to be okay. Remember, God will never put more on you than what you can handle. Nowhere does the Bible say that. And I know some of you are thinking, Pastor, I know you're wrong on this one. I've read it somewhere in the Bible. Well, you're probably thinking of a verse in 1 Corinthians. But as always, when you read scripture, you need to read more than one verse. You need to look at the context. You need to look at the setting. And so in this particular scripture that we're going to read in a moment, the apostle Paul was talking with the, to the Corinthian people about temptation. He was giving them some words of encouragement. Let me read what Paul said to the Corinthian church and In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Now, so so you think you're going through a temptation that nobody has encountered? Uh, Think again. Your temptations are probably my temptations. My temptations are probably your temptations. So don't think, well, poor me, you know, no one's ever been tempted this way. I'm the only one. Uh, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And then it goes on and says, and God is faithful. And this is the next part that many people misquote, take out of context. 
God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So the the scripture is not talking about going through overwhelming trials and problems and circumstances. This verse is talking about temptation. It gives you the good news that that when you're tempted, God will give you strength to stand up against that temptation and give you a way out. You don't have to fall into temptation. And that's amazing news. But what happens is that people take this verse and they misquote it. And they say, well, God promises, you know, he won't put more on us than what we can handle. That's not what the verse is saying. And I know some of you have just had part of your theological foundation jerked out from under you. And furthermore, when you, when you look at the entirety of the Bible, you will see example after example of people who went through situations that were more than they could handle. For example, in the book of Judges, there was a man named Gideon who said, I'm the weakest in my clan. I feel I'm the least in my family. By the way, have you ever thought that before? I'm the weak link here. I felt that way. Sometimes I think, well, I'm the weak link in our denomination. You know, I'm the weak link here on the staff at the church. And God, I don't have what it takes to do what you want me to do. It's more than I can handle. That's the way that Gideon felt. Well, Moses also had more than he could handle. He said, I'm slow of speech. I felt that way. Moses said, I'm not a good leader. I felt that way. Moses said, these people are wearing me out. I felt that way. (laughs) Moses said, I can't lead these people anymore. I felt that way. Well, then King David also said in in Psalm 38, 8, said, I'm exhausted. Anybody just feel exhausted? (laughs) King David said, I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. And then the Apostle Paul went through experiences that were more than he could handle. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, listen, far beyond our ability to endure. And then Jesus Christ In the New Testament book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 33, said he took Peter, James, and John with him. He began to be filled with horror and deep distress. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. So in the Bible, we see that that God allowed people to go through more than what they could handle in their own strength. And so today, I want to help us work through this myth. And I want to give you a couple of reasons why God will at times allow us to go through more than we can handle on our own. You ready? You ready? The first reason God allows us to go through more than we can handle on our own is to teach us to depend on His presence. And let me make a statement right out of the chute that you uh, might want to write down. It's easier to, easier to serve God through adversity than it is through prosperity. Let me repeat that again. 
it's easier to serve God through adversity than it is through prosperity. You know, when things are going really well for us, there, there's a tendency to get casual and, and lukewarm in our relationship with God. But when things are falling apart, it seems that we come running back to Him. In fact, do you realize that very few people start attending church for the first time and begin to seek God when their lives are going great? A few, but not very many. Rather, most of us begin to seek God when our marriage is falling apart or our job is getting shaky or our kids are going down the wrong road or we've got some bad news from the doctor. You know, I can't even uh, begin to know how many people over the past two decades have come to this church when they were in trouble. And probably the most common reason is because of a marriage that is falling apart. Um, you know, this seems to be a wake-up call for, for, for many people. But here's what I found out. After things normalize, maybe their, maybe their marriage gets back on track, or sometimes they go ahead and divorce and go their separate ways after, and, and then find someone else, establish some semblance of peace in their home. Many times what will happen is those same people will back away from God. Again, it's easier to serve God through adversity than it is through prosperity. We have a tendency to come running to God because of our troubles. I heard the story of a pastor that was, that was uh, on a flight and, and, and the lady seated by him said, Sir, what do you do for a living? And, uh, you know, as, as a pastor, sometimes I, I really hesitate to reveal what I do for a living. And, and it's not that I'm embarrassed of being a pastor, even though I, I realize that some people think that pastors are those who can't make it in the real world. They're less talented. Their IQ is lower. And so, you know, they can't do anything else. So they'll just become a pastor. Uh, but, but really, I'm honored with the, the calling that God has placed upon my life. However, sometimes when someone asks me what I do, honestly, I, I hesitate to reveal what I do because I found that people get really weird when they find out that, that I'm a pastor. And, and one common reaction when, when people hear I'm a minister is they will say, oh, yeah, I have a relative that's, a, that's also a minister. I don't know. I, I probably heard that hundreds of times. And, um, and, and I'll say, great, because they've kind of put the bait out there. So I grab the bait and I'll say, well, what relation would they be to you? And they say, well, it, it's, it's actually my first wife's second cousin's uncle's son-in-law's ex-brother's father. And and I would say, oh, okay, well, whatever, that's, that's nice. Or, or, or sometimes, and this is also a common thing, they will turn into a religious freak, and for five minutes, there's been no appearance that they were following the Lord, but when they find out I'm a pastor, it's like, oh, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, glory to God. And, you know, I'm too, be, I'm too blessed to be stressed and all that kind of stuff. And, and I will ask them, well, where do you go to church? And they will say, well, such and such a church. And, and if I'm really feeling a little bit ornery, I will do a follow-up question. I'll say, well, what's your pastor's name? And you don't know how many times they've started stuttering. It's, oh, oh you know, it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> if, if, if you wouldn't have asked me, I could have told you. Which lets me know that they probably haven't been to church since last Easter. Uh, but, but anyway, back to my story, this lady was sitting by the pastor and she said, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I'm a pastor of a church. And, and she shot back and said, well, that's fine. As long as you remember two things. Number one, I'm not a Christian. Number two, I don't want to be one. So don't try to convert me on this light. 
Let's just get that out into the open to begin with. And, and the pastor said, well, okay, fair enough. We'll just try to enjoy the flight together. And, and they were having a good non-threatening conversation. And midway through the flight, they hit some awful turbulence. And, and this pastor described the turbulence as being turbulence from hell. Oh, wh- whatever that means. It was that bad. And, and I don't know how many of you have... Uh, been in turbulence from hell while flying, and, and, and at least I, I think I have a few times. When one time, I remember I was flying, and all of a sudden the bottom just dropped out, and the, the plane just started free falling, and and the engines you could hear all of a sudden they were they, they began to scream trying to get some some lift, and, and and people were also screaming like the engines, and and uh, there were some people that were uh, that ended up getting getting hurt, and uh, I, as much as I've flown and as much turbulence as I've been through. I thought this might be my last flight. And in fact, the paramedics were waiting for us at the airport uh, when we landed to take care of those who had been injured. But, but what I found out is that during those times of turbulence, revival breaks out. <laughs> and even if your theology doesn't allow it, you know, even if you believe once saved, always saved, people still get saved all over again whenever there's turbulence from hell. Uh, but anyway, as, as they hit this turbulence, the lady, uh, she started cussing up a blue streak. And the pastor said it was, it was like she had the gift of cussing, whatever that means, and even created new combination of cuss words that the pastor didn't know were, were even possible. And, and she was going, I'm sorry, pastor, but bleep, 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 bleep. And after a couple of minutes of this, the, the pastor was kind of enjoying watching her freak out. He leaned over to her for fun and said, are you sure you want me to convert you? And she's like, bleep you. And uh, she was still going for it. And, and after about five minutes of this turbulence from hell, she couldn't take it any longer and finally blurted out, Pastor, would you please pray for me? All of that to say that one of the reasons that God allows us to go through more than we can handle is to be taught to depend on his presence. And you can see the reality of this in the Old Testament story of, of Jonah. And if you know his story, basically God said, hey, go preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah was like, nope, not happening. I don't like them. They don't like me. Not going. And, and you know the story. He took a, a ship in the opposite direction and a storm came up. He was thrown off of the ship into the water. A giant fish swallowed him. And notice what Jonah said. Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. In my distress, not in my success, not in the good times, not in times of peace, rather in my distress, what did he do? I called, I called to the Lord. I called to the Lord. You know, we often overlook him in our success, but we call out to him in our distress. And, and, and back to the scripture we read earlier about Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. And here's why God allows us to go through more than we can handle on our own. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let me say that again. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. So why would God allow you to go through more than you can handle? 
Jonah answered that question, In my distress, I remember the Lord and I called on Him. Well, the second reason God sometimes allows us to go through more than we can handle on our own is to depend on His power. The truth is that many of us are are doing life on our own. We think we're strong enough to handle whatever comes our way. And the result is that we've never tapped into the power source that God has for us. Um, Many of you know that my parents were missionaries. And uh, we came back to the States every four years to reconnect with friends and family. And it seemed like uh, today, every year or two, then missionaries come back. And But at that time, it was about every four years, and we'd come back and try to get uh, back into this culture for, for a few months. But on one of those furlough years to the States, my parents, for their transportation, bought a little Dodge Dart. Now, how many of you remember the Dodge Dart? Uh, not, not very early service because it's a little bit more mature audience, if you know what I mean. Um, they uh, almost everybody knew what a Dodge Dart was, and, and of course today a Dodge Dart is a really sought-after vehicle. But back then, it, it just wasn't really anything to get excited about. But and and, and for our trips, then and, and we would go north, south, uh, east, west. I mean, we we were just traveling, trying to raise funds to go back to the field. But um, you know, we as kids, we didn't have the luxury that kids have today. Uh, you know, we didn't have iPads, cell phones, DVD players, and 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 this Dodge Dart didn't have any cool features about it except for one. It had a little flat area under the back window. You know where the radio speakers were? You know, you know where I'm talking about back there? And what was so cool about that area was that as little kids, we could get up there and play. <laughs> Going down the highway, we could play, we could take a nap. I mean, there was nothing unsafe about that. <laughs> and if your dad was really cool, and mine was, but if you could get your dad to work with you, you could take your race cars and put them up there, and on the highway he could swerve back and forth, and those race cars would go from one side to the other, swerving back and forth on, on, uh, on the highway. It was awesome, and, and of course, you probably didn't have a dad that was as cool as mine, but um, anyway, back to my story. This little Dodge Dart was a dog. Uh, in other words, it, it was very deficient, lacking when it came to power, and, and you almost needed 10 miles of downhill to get up enough speed to get around an Amish horse and buggy. It was, it was that bad, and so when I got older, I wanted a car that had the goods. No Dodge Dart with a four-cylinder engine for me. And so I got my driver's license, and, and I've told you before that I got this beautiful 1977 Baby Blue Grand Prix that had a 404-barrel engine. And that machine had the goods. Uh, Kirk Bland, you, you remember those, those uh, 1977 Grand Prix's, and and it would fly, and, and uh, kids, plug your ears. Don't try this at home, okay? But, but you didn't want to pull up to a stoplight beside me and rev your engine because you were going to look bad. You would eat my dust. My car would be faster than yours. I would beat you off of the line, and I would beat you top end as well. You would be very humbled. And anyway, that, that, that's a whole lot of worthless information just to say that that's an exact picture of what so many are doing. 
they're messing around with a little dodge dart that has no power. They're, they're trying harder and using their own strength. They think that they can do this on their own. And they say, I've got this. But the problem is they don't. And they've been programmed to believe the lie that, that God will never give them more than they can handle. And they're so confused and, and they think they can handle it by trying harder and harder. But what, wonder why it seems that they're going under. And the truth is that they were not created to have all the power to do it on their own. They were created to depend on God. And then he would give them the power. And, and the sooner we recognize that, then, then we will graduate from a dodge dart and, and find ourselves with a divine engine that, that will power us up the steep mountains uh, of problems in life and, and through the deep valleys of temptation. We will find that God's power will be sufficient. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about a thorn in his flesh and Scholars like to debate this and what it was, what it wasn't, and we don't know for sure. And we do know for sure that the thorn wasn't his wife. We know that the thorn wasn't his mother-in-law because Paul wasn't married. The most common theory is that, that it was an eye problem because Paul in his letter to the Galatians says that he knows that they would have torn their eyes out and, and given them to him if they could have. But it was such a serious problem to where the, the, the scripture says that Paul begged three times that God would take away that thorn. And, and understand when it says that, that, that Paul begged three times, it was probably more than three simple prayers. Scholars believe that probably they were three seasons of, of prayer times where he enlisted the churches to help him pray and, and fast and plead and this is probably three seasons of time of prayer. And you know, from my perspective, I'm thinking, okay, if God's going to heal somebody, I think Paul's a pretty good candidate. Based on who Paul was and, and all that he had accomplished for Jesus, I'm thinking that would be a priority for God. And I'm thinking that Paul probably had enough faith for that healing. And by the way, if you think this story about Paul doesn't relate to you, there will come a time, and, and I'm very careful how I say this, but there will come a time, I promise you, if you walk with God long enough and live in this sin-filled world long enough, you're going to find your own thorn that brings pain or frustration and you're going to ask and plead with God to remove it. You're going to say, God, would you please take away my depression? God, would you please heal my child of these headaches? Or God, would you please fix my marriage? God, would you please turn my teen back towards you? And if that prayer is not immediately answered and and by the way, at times it will not be answered immediately, and nor even at all, at least the way you ask God. And you will begin to feel overwhelmed thinking that God has put more on you than what you can handle. And that is exactly where Paul was. But during this time, God spoke to Paul and said something that's so powerful. And I just have to tell you, this past week, 
this scripture ministered to me at such a deep, deep level. Near the end of the week, we had several really challenging situations come our way, and I was feeling honestly overwhelmed and stressed and confused. And it was one of those times when I thought, I'm not sure I can go on. And, and this scripture began to minister to me at such a heartfelt level. And I believe it will minister to some of you today. God said, Paul, I'm not, at this time, I'm not going to take your thorn away. But here's what he did say in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Remember, my grace is sufficient for you. And then catch this, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So, so God said, Paul, when you're feeling weak and feeling like you can't continue on, he said, that's when I'm going to show you my power. And then this is what I want to point out. Actually, let me back up a little bit. You know, when, when we go through a rough time, we typically kind of mope around and some talk about it and try to get sympathy and, you know, some, they put it on Facebook and wanting to get people to feel sorry for them. And, and uh, sometimes we almost hesitate to talk with certain people because they use their drama to try to get, you know, money or whatever, but not Paul. And, and this is awesome. <laughs> As Paul hears back from God and God tells him, sorry, Paul, I'm not going to take that thorn away right now, but here's what I will do. I'll give you extra grace to deal with it. And at this point, Paul appears to get so excited. But Paul says, okay, God told me no. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, it says, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. Did you hear that? I delight in weaknesses and insults. I, I don't mope around and cry and say, poor me, and try to get sympathy. He says, I delight in weaknesses and insults, in hardships. What had he been through? He was beaten. He was whipped. He was left for dead. He was snake bitten. said, I delight. goes on and says, in persecutions and difficulties. Here it is. For when I am weak. Or when I don't have what it takes, I tap into the supernatural power of God. Then I am strong. Isn't that incredible? So different than when we go through tough times. You know, we try to milk it for all we're worth. Did you know that if you're ever going to do anything significant for God, you will probably have to be brought to a point to where you feel that you are going through more than you can handle. And honestly, I feel that way a lot. In fact, I feel overwhelmed a lot of Sundays. And, and I know I'm not supposed to admit this as a pastor, but I don't always feel like preaching. I don't always wake up and go, Yay, I'm so pumped about preaching today. And, you know, once in a while, but other times I have a migraine. Other times I, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, I'm in my office about every Sunday morning. I've told you, Faith is back there trying to convince me to come out here. And I say, "Huh? nobody will notice if I'm in here. Yeah, you need to come out here. It's your job. Get out here, Joe. And rarely do I sleep well on Saturday nights. There's spiritual warfare. And, and sometimes, and 
no, no harm meant here, but I, I, sometimes I just don't feel like being critiqued in church. And you know, I, I know what people do. Well, Joe was average today, so I'll give him a five. Or Joe was really bad today. He was a one. Or, or Joe was better than normal, so I'll give him a seven and a half. And, and sometimes it's like, God, could you give me a job where I work with animals so they won't critique me for a change? And, but, but here's what I want to say. It's when I've struggled during the week and, and I'm physically and emotionally depleted and, and feel I have the least to bring. That's many times when God steps in in his power and says, Joe, you're right. You don't have what it takes. Joe, you're right. You certainly are the least of the least. And yes, there are plenty of others that are more talented than you are. But, but Joe, here's what I want to do for you today. I want to work through you today. You've been faithful to study. You've been faithful to pray. Now let me step in. And through your weakness, let me show you my power. And, and I've discovered that if I come in here on Sunday mornings and feel confident in my preparation, feel that I have something good to offer, I, I'm basically rowing in my own strength and that's guaranteed failure. And so I've realized that what I need to do after I study, I, I study hard, I, I, I pray, I try to seek God, but when I get in here, I realize that's enough. And I basically put down the oars, put up my sail, and let the wind of God's Spirit empower me. Let God show His strength through my weakness. So, God will never give you more than you can handle, right? Wrong. It's false theology. That's a myth. God will give you more than you can handle on your own. If you're going to raise toddlers, there will be more than you can handle. And all of the moms with toddlers said, Amen. If you have teenagers, there will be more than you can handle. And parents, you probably shouldn't say anything because they're sitting right by you. If you're going to be involved in ministry, there will be more than you can handle. If you're a man married to a woman, there will be more than you can handle. If you're a woman married to a man, there will certainly be more than you can handle. If you're single, there will be more than you can handle. But instead of panicking and freaking out and just understand that God gives you more than you can handle so you can be broken before Him and experience His presence and His power. So this morning, I think the first thing we need to do is just admit, God, I'm right at the edge. I'm not sure I can handle anymore. And so God, would you just begin to give me your presence and your power? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking? Would you just be honest? Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, I'll just admit to you, I feel like that I'm at that point where I feel like more is on me than in what I can handle. You want to just raise your hand? Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. Thank you. Heads bowed, eyes closed again. Is there anybody here that would say, Joe, would you pray for me that 
God would give me strength in my weakness, power in my weakness. Would you just lift your hand? Pray for me. Lord, we come to you this morning. We, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that when we reach the end of our rope, that even though we do have more that will be put on us than what we can handle on occasion in our own strength, but yet, Lord, whenever we come to you in our weakness, you're made strong. Lord, there were so many hands that went up, and it's just amazing, Lord. It seems like we look around and we see people and driving nice cars, working at nice jobs, living in nice homes, having successful families. Lord, we think that they're not going through anything at all, and we'd like to be like them, but Lord, the common denominator is that most of us here, we are at the edge of our limitations. And God, I just ask that today you would help us to just maybe let go and that we would throw down the oars and Father, that we would just put up the sail and we would let the wind of God's Spirit begin to power us. And Father, I pray that today those who are just wondering how they can go on, that they would begin to be as the Apostle Paul and say, I delight. Oh, I delight in these financial issues that I'm having because that causes me to rely more on you. I, I delight in my depression or Lord, I delight in the issues that I have at work. Lord, I delight in maybe some of the sticky situations that I'm dealing with with a friend and I delight because Lord, that gives us an opportunity to show the power of God. And so God, I just pray that today you would begin to just work at a very deep level in our heart. Lord, we're so good at faking it. We're so good at just putting on a front. And Lord, sometimes we're just about pushed over the edge and we put on a smile. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And Lord, I pray that today we would just be able to release control to you. God, very specifically for those who are going through financial situations, I pray that you would help them to honor you. And then, Lord, we know that you will take care of them. Help them to just trust you. Lord, I pray for marriages here today that some here don't know if they can take any more. And God, I pray that you would just begin to heal that. Lord, I know there are some people here that are struggling with depression and it's caused them to maybe isolate or Lord, wondering what will the rest of my life, life be like? Will I be in this darkness the rest of my life? And I pray, Lord, that you would just, just come alongside of them and take them by the hand. Lord, there are some people here that maybe are single and they don't want to be single. And Lord, at the right time, I pray that maybe you would just bring someone if that's right and God, just give them strength during this journey. Lord, I pray that we would follow you. Lord, regardless of what comes our way, I pray that we would follow you.
So Lord, we know that uh, Scripture teaches us that there will be things that will come more than what we can handle. But Lord, we don't have to freak out because we can go to you and know that you give us that strength. So God, I want to just pray a prayer of blessing upon these people that have come. Lord, the dozens of hands that went up as people were asking for prayer in their unique situations. And I pray that this week would be a week, a week where they begin to feel the presence of God and the power of God. Lord, that there would be a closeness with you that there hasn't maybe ever been before. So Lord, we thank you. Bless these people, I pray. Give them your grace. Make it sufficient for what they're going through. I just pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. That song is an amazing song. What does it say? He giveth and giveth and giveth more grace. Take hold of the grace that God has for you today. You're dismissed. Thank you. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.